This is the Rings of Power podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the Rings of Power, episode six, Udun. Remember when I was little? When I used to have bad dreams? I remember. You remember what you used to say when you would hold me in the dark? Would you say it to me now? In the end, this shadow is but a small and passing thing. There is light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Find the light, and the shadow will not find you. Welcome back, fellow ringers. This is TV Podcast Industries and the Rings of Power podcast, and we're looking at episode six of the Rings of Power, Udun. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm your other host, Derek. Nothing to talk about this week at all in this episode. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Um, I actually just, second time through, I kind of stopped taking notes Mm -hmm. because I was just like, yeah, this was just pure greatness amazing Loved it. yeah absolutely amazing the kind of stuff they've got here like we mentioned before how beautiful it looks on tv but we haven't seen this kind of level of battles uh, apart from the prologue uh, in the first yeah. episode but wow just the stuff they've put on here absolutely excellent to watch i can't believe this is something that we're watching every week on tv it's incredible i know it's just wow. really crazy yeah yeah you're kind of thinking of the levels that they went to when they did the lord of the rings originally with thousands of extras thousands of horses and and that kind of stuff and in here here, they've got that going on in the background um, with the amount of uh, the level of it is just incredible. Absolutely yeah, fun. definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, completely hats off to them um, mm-hmm. on, on this. This was epic in all sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really was. Absolutely. Uh, but we're glad to be back with our fellow ringers we are. Uh, with TV Podcast Industries. If you haven't yet subscribed, please head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com mm-hmm. where you can go to any good or evil podcast player of your choice uh, and subscribe to tv podcast industries there absolutely and if you want to send any thoughts to us you can email us to feedback at tv podcast industries.com with any thoughts about any of the shows that we're covering uh, we're covering she hulk uh, rings of power uh, sandman and we will soon be covering uh, pennyworth from dc uh, coming up on hbl max from next week um, so please send in your thoughts for any of those shows uh, or pop on over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries and we'll have a spoiler post up for every show that we're covering covering as well hey john it was international podcast day yesterday uh friday the uh, 30th of september yes and um, so thank you so much to all of our wonderful listeners who've been joining us over the last uh, eight years uh podcasting always a, a time to celebrate uh, our wonderful wonderful listeners who join us uh, and keep us going uh when we're podcasting especially in a week where we've done a podcast i think every single day uh, of the last seven days yes uh, i think it's seven 
Mm-hmm. Seven over the last week uh, yep. that we mentioned uh, on the She-Hulk podcast mm-hmm. uh, when Chris was able to join us. Yep. He's not able to join us ag- again for, for this, but he is a busy bee at the moment. Yes. So. Yes, we're hoping he'll be back for the finale of uh, of um, Sandman. Yes, most mm. definitely. But let us get on with our spoiler-filled discussion Absolutely. about episode six, Udun. Mm-hmm. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, this show is based on the Lord of the Rings and the Appendices by J.R.R. Tolkien. The showrunners and executive producers for the show are J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. Uh, this episode was written by them, along with Justin Doble, uh, who wrote the last episode, and Nicholas Adams. Uh, Nicholas Adams, this is his first major writing credit on the show, but uh, obviously with the showrunners and jo- Justin Doble, who's written episode five, and I think he was um, co-wrote episode three as well. So, uh Obviously, this is the writer's room all getting together for the biggest episode of the show so far. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it really felt like it was an end of uh, the first season. Mm. Um, So I'm glad there's another two to go so we can see how um, that uh, paraclastic flow from Proto-Mount Doom uh, Mm -hmm. plays out. Yes, definitely. If that had been the end of this season, can you imagine going uh, fade to black, uh, goes away for a year? No, no, definitely not. But that would also (laughs) have been... Great. You know, everyone's salivating for a year yeah. to see what happens. Oh, well, let's hope yeah. they have another cliffhanger built into the last episode. Uh, a change of director in this episode. We have uh, Charlotte Brandstrom. Um, she directed five, episode five and six of Witcher season one, which nice. we talked about yeah. on this show, and directs the next two episodes of the series. So we had J.A. Bayona for the first two episodes, uh, Wayne Chi Hip for uh, the next three episodes, and uh, now we have Charlotte Brandstrom on for uh, the final Patch, batch of episodes and yeah. what a way to kick it off definitely really good <laughs> stuff here yeah really impressive john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the rings of power episode six udun sure the battle for the southlands begins adar and the orc army advance on the watchtower of ostirith and find it abandoned while they search the tower arondir destroys the tower causing it to collapse onto the orc army the townspeople who move down the valley to their village cheer at the apparent victory, but must prepare for the next assault. As the villagers make ready to hold off the remaining orcs, Arondir hides the broken blade hilt and professes his love to Bronwyn, promising a life together after the battle. The fighting between orcs, elves and humans begins, and while the villagers appear victorious, they discover that many of the enemy killed were actually their traitorous Southlanders. And the true orc army attacks from the shadows, killing many and severely wounding Bronwyn. Overwhelmed and cornered in the village tavern, Adar seeks out the hilt and begins putting the villagers to the sword one by one, until Theo reveals the location of the broken blade to Adar. With all hope lost, the surviving townsfolk are saved by the Numenorean army, who slay many of the remaining orcs. Adar attempts to escape, but is captured by Galadriel and Halbrand, they interrogate him, discovering his origins as a Moriondor, or Uruk, elves corrupted by Morgoth. He taunts them, feigning memory of killing Halbrand's Southlandian family and claiming to have killed Sauron. Back at the village, Halbrand is hailed as the king of the Southlands, 
while Theo realises the broken blade they recovered is a decoy, while the true blade has been carried back to the watchtower by Waldreg. Waldreg. <laughs> exactly. He uses it on the mechanism at Ostirith, causing the nearby dam to release water that rushes through the orc tunnels towards Mount Doom. Clashing with magma, the resulting eruption releases clouds of volcanic ash, hot gases and molten debris into the air, darkening the skies over the Southlands and spreading devastation. Just amazing, amazing scenes here. <laughs> Just yeah. unbelievable what they've done. Um, it really was. Yeah. I mean, you know, some really epic fighting, mm -hmm. even though it's around a village, it's quite contained. Yeah. Again, some excellent vistas and epic shots, mm -hmm. um, but also married in with some really intimate conversations, yeah. um, such as between Bronwyn and Arondir, mm -hmm. the interrogation of um, Adar, yeah. and just that whole um, sort of intrigue around Halbrand and Adar as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Some great moments in here done, done fantastically. Will we go in and discuss our Tales of Middle-Earth, John? Yes, let us get to tale number one. Mm -hmm. Arondir sets up the orcs at Ostirith. I think, you know how Legolas and Gimli kept score? Mm -hmm. I do honestly feel that Arondir has just surpassed all of that <laughs> with... Uh, effectively bringing down the watchtower mm -hmm. and killing many, many orcs here yes, it was uh, really, with its collapse. Yeah, it was really, really cool, wasn't it? What a way to open the episode. We kind of start off with Adar and the orcs waiting to attack. We, you kind of think that this is exactly where we left them last week. They'd just arrived, but uh, we have that moment where Adar is planting the seeds to begin the battle. Yes, uh, the Alfred seeds, the Alfred seeds uh, which yes. is really interesting because we see Arondir doing the same um, at the village mm -hmm. before uh, the battle with the orcs there, where he explains it's a tradition uh, before battle done yes. by elves. Mm -hmm. So certainly confirming elven ancestry for sure to Adar exactly, here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Although he chucks quite a lot in, whereas I think Arondir just gives uh, Bronwyn one or something. So um, <laughs> I guess, you know, a little bit different in how they use them. Yes, luckily, because he kind of needed uh, quite a lot of them later on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, exactly. So luckily, he saved, he saved those ones. Uh, but on to Ostirith, when uh, the orcs are coming in to capture the place, they find it empty. And it, it seems at that moment where they've all been readying themselves for the battle, you know, shouting out Nompath, which is death in the black speech, you know, they're yeah. shouting out Nompath, getting uh, all the, all riled up for this battle and then walk in and realise nobody's there. So there's a little bit of, uh, not relief on Adar's face, but there's kind of a uh, a moment where he's going, oh, well, that was a lot easier than I thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we get that great moment, which feels like something out of an action movie straight away, yeah. where you have Arondir uh, standing up with his bow and taking out one of the uh, one of the orcs on top of the bridge, and he falls through the wood. You know, it's just to kick off this battle. Um, but really well planned it's like something again out of a out of an action movie where everything's been set up to go off in in this particular flow that Arondir set himself up for he yes. fires the fire arrow into uh, a rope that's holding up the tower which starts the whole chain reaction effectively and then that jump over the bridge 
kicking out the plank that pulls the door closed behind them, yeah, lock, trapping that. them inside. Yeah. It was really cool. It was interesting because when you see it first when the guys walking up to the door, there's a little crack in the door and you're kind of going, well, this place upstairs is isn't really very <laughs> yeah, safe, exactly. is it? And then you realize the reason why the, tra- the crack is there is because the chain's obviously coming through it. Um, Absolutely. I was um, thinking this doesn't feel like a tight fit for uh, a door mm-hmm. to a watchtower for sure <laughs> need to get that workman yeah. back yes i think the other thing from this as well just c- going back to um that rallying of the orcs by adar it's really that. interesting and mm. it, you know, it plays out later on in the episode as well when he's being interrogated by galadriel and halbrand but you know he he rallies them by saying um you know we are going to war not all of you will come back mm-hmm. but that if you've fallen, it's as brothers and sisters um, in our homes, not as slaves in a distant land. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, kind of interesting. And I guess we'll come back to it later. Mm-hmm. But you can see why that the, these orcs are calling him father. It's it almost feels protective. I think what's really interesting is it it's painting these orcs as a community, a brotherhood, a yeah. sisterhood. And um, which is really interesting, mm. you know, because I, I guess in a, in a film, a lot of them are just, you know, they're, they're the, the lieutenant, Absolutely. they're the captain that just fight. And yeah. um, it's really interesting how this show just is adding a, you know, this, these, these little bits of depth to the orcs as, as an enemy is mm-hmm. really, really found that quite an interesting speech, how he, how he frames it to them, yeah, and um, rather than just simply a, a you know a blood call or something like that, Absolutely. and I think that you know as I say, it connects in with what he describes to Halbrand and Galadriel yeah. um, about his, in a sense, relationship with Sauron and uh, and all that. Yeah, and it also explains much more why they use the Southlanders that try to join up with them as cannon fodder. Um, because they're not part of the Brotherhood, this is uh, this is a, a true bond between Adar and his orcs, yeah. uh, as opposed to what we saw before with Sauron and his and his orcs, which were they were the cannon fodder for for Sauron. Whereas here, these Southlanders that tried to join up with them um, are being used yes. uh, as as the the first wave of a battle. Effectively, it's like so. they're given much more agency. The orcs here, mm-hmm. rather than being almost battle automatons yeah uh, exactly. you know yeah yeah uh, one thing i want to call out in the in austerus because i'm so glad they they didn't do what i thought they were going to do because we have a moment with um waldreg the uh the southlander uh traitor uh who talks to adar and says to him so tell me boss where is sauron and then uh, adar gets interrupted before he says anything yeah. and i was going oh please don't just leave it there stop asking the I questions know, and not answering them but luckily later on in the episode we do get the answers to that but i was at that moment i was going don't leave it hanging we need to know something about sauron at this stage so definitely I'm, I'm really glad we got a story at least and some uh some idea of what's going on with the the great uh big bad exactly I mean, the only thing here is you, you wonder how Adar and Waldreg survived the tower falling yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there would be survivors, but I just, that was the only thing. I thought their numbers would be much smaller, given, you know, as the camera pans back where you see the townsfolk mm-hmm. who have escaped earlier and are cheering at this apparent victory, yeah. you see the tower falling down the mountainside as well. and orcs all being crushed yep. and knocked off the ledges on on the passes up to there so 
again, you know, not only killing or, or taking out a lot of orcs, but also the injuries that would happen mm-hmm. and that impacting. So that was the only little gripe for me, just on, you know, from a real point of view. Yeah. But, you know, I, I get we're in Middle Earth and this yes. is um, fantasy. So and you can't have your big bad. Uh, die off screen uh, no exactly so, exactly yeah, yeah but it did it did feel like uh there's a little magic at play to uh to keep them <laughs> yeah. safe from the rocks yeah. there definitely uh, but a cool start uh, and a great moment for on uh he has a few of them throughout this episode ah, yeah i think yeah. most characters have great moments um set up in their battles but having a on here effectively taking out an entire orc army or at least slowing down an entire orc army um but he knows this isn't going to to win the battle this isn't going to be the end of it which kind of moves us on straight away onto our tale number two the battle of Tiharad um, the village of the Southlanders um, so this is the next plan so he's he's set up kind of a wave uh, version of their of their overall battle plan uh, take as many out as possible as I can in Astirath and allow the villagers to set up the next battle zone for uh, yes. for, for what we're going to do next Um Fantastic! Absolutely loved this as well. This this this, this fight, this battle mm. was really good. I, I mean, from two fronts, really. You know, just the 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 courage and use of the townsfolk. Mm-hmm. Like they really did battle. It wasn't like they were just cannon fodder themselves. Exactly, you know, taking out a lot of the orcs, yeah. and then with Arondir's fight as well. You know, mm-hmm. just the precision of his arrow work. The, the plan. I, I really enjoyed his kind of rousing speech at the start as well. Yeah. It felt kind of, it felt appropriate for effectively townsfolk mm-hmm. and villagers who are battling to save their lives and their village, really. Yeah. And um, I, I just, and I liked how he kind of, you know, sort of repeated it at the end. It, it, it felt really good and mm-hmm. it, it made sense and you could see why they would be fighting so passionately for this yeah and um, so i really enjoyed that bit as well mm-hmm. and yeah i mean the arondir stuff uh really tense um in terms of the battle with the big orc that he kind oh, of yeah. bumps into yeah there was some great stunt work here as well yeah. there's, there's a moment when he gets taken down off the roof and it's a full roll across three roofs onto the ground with the two orcs and arondir and it was great watching it because you can see their faces as they rolled so it felt like a stunt that Ismail cruz cordova uh, did himself as arondir yeah uh, and then he uh, meets the big orc uh, they battle and then there's the grossest fight as he uh, stabs this massive orc in the eye the blood starts pumping out uh repeatedly it's like as if it is pumping out through his body straight out his eye hole all across uh yeah. Adondir, who does get saved by bronwyn uh behind him in a, in a classic um which is great move. as well yeah. because um you know they have a little bit of a heart to heart before the battle and you yes they it, do you know and a bit of a, a kiss as well which Finally. is great and you know yeah. real you know I hope they move forward as a couple uh, in this show because I really like it. Um, you know, Although, sort of going yes. back to the earlier episode where they say union of an elf and a human, there's only two or three that have happened before mm-hmm. and they've not been successful. Mm. It's kind of a it's a tough one to do, basically. Yeah. So I'm, re- I'm really rooting for them because of that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It was great to finally see them kiss because they have been uh, this will they won't they type couple for the last while. It was interesting as well because, of course, with half of the traitorous Southlanders leaving that that group of villagers, the ones that are left seems to seem to be much more open to 
uh, following Arundir. And why wouldn't you? He's a very powerful uh, ally to have. Um, but there's a lot less uh, people pushing back against uh, him giving them motivation and him giving them um, guidance effectively. So yeah. I kind of like that um, their relationship could survive with these Southlanders around as opposed to the way it was before where they didn't even want him in their village yeah. uh, at all. So uh, so we do find out that half of this army that's come in are, as we, as we mentioned earlier on, are the Southlanders that joined up with the orcs. They were used as cannon fodder to take out the major battle plan that the villagers had so that the real orc army could come in at the kind of idea here from uh, arondir is we don't have the power we're not battle hardened we are uh, these mostly village people other than uh, other than me a soldier so we will use our wits to outsmart the orcs who aren't that smart kind of thing but it turns out actually they do have their own battle plan which is very smart yeah i thought this was a really good touch and you know in in this twist effectively Mm. again it's it's to the point of the agency of these orcs compared to, I guess, what we would have seen in the Lord of the Rings. But, you know, you can see here that this, you know, eight episode sort of eight over eight hour can can give this treatment to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a really nice twist that, you know, the real attack begins um, after effectively uh, sending, you know, wave after wave of, of humans that mm-hmm. in, in effect... In many respects, the it seems as though Adar really isn't that bothered about exactly, and uh, so I, I really like that um, that twist here, and I yeah. loved how it it ultimately played out. I thought there was really good horror vibes of everyone in the keep or, or the tavern mm-hmm. being surrounded by the orcs, and um, both in terms of you know the terror of that, and mm-hmm. um, but also then when they they break in mm. and what Adar, you know, very calmly just does um yeah. when he asks for the hilt and gets no response, it's he stabs one and then one of his orcs stabs another mm. and then it, you know, it it's a real like pressure bit of of um you know, it's putting the th- the foot on the throat and squeezing. Absolutely. And I really, really thought this was great. It felt claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. It felt hopeless. It felt terrifying. Yeah. And just with the lighting and everything, I thought this was really, really good. Even beforehand, just with Bronwyn having been shot by the arrow. Oh, yeah. How that was dealt with, I just thought was really good. The, the breaking off her passing out after mm-hmm. it being cauterized again i think those alfrin seeds were used yeah. um as a wound dressing yeah um before like a field uh, dressing yeah, yeah yeah before being um cauterized so yeah. I, I just thought this whole thing it, it felt really close intimate pressured mm-hmm. tense uh, and with the arrival of adar it kind of just up that with his order just being enacted slowly but surely, one by one. Absolutely. I do want to give a big shout out, a big compliment for how realistic everything looks in this battle as well. Those arrows going through the bodies of the Southlanders who are standing on the roof uh, to begin with, and then each one of the arrows that hits feels really realistic. They feel really weighty bits of metal going yeah. through the body. It's not like the uh, the wooden arrows that we see in most movies when bows and arrows are being used. These look really powerful, like they're really piercing through the skin. And as you say, that moment where you see Bronwyn having it taken out of her feels really 
realistic it feels yes. like it's yeah, it's really happening good. right in front of you um it, you know there's there's a huge amount of money poured in this as, as we've had loads of cgi work i'm sure um but when they're able to do this kind of realistic battle uh even though there are orcs with masks on of course but there's no magic in there that it, it does feel really realistic yeah um so well done uh to the show for for giving something that does feel really intimate really tense definitely. and uh, and like a proper battle yeah, yeah great definitely stuff. yeah really yeah. good um, and also then, you know, the Numenorians to the rescue. Yes, that was another thing I was going to say. I liked that we saw them on land. We saw them. We saw them coming by sea to, yeah. to start with. So we get a moment with them as they're as they're passing over, and we get the meeting of Galadriel and, and Isildur, which uh, which is a big a big moment really uh, in itself. But I like that we have them land um, in the Southlands, but it's daytime and they're riding their horses, and then you get the cut to Adar. And his threats to uh, to the Southlanders that are in, uh, the villagers that are in the tavern, because you know while there are Numenorians coming to help them, that they're not going to get there in time before there's going to be people put to the sword. Yeah. Before it's going to feel like there's no hope. Yeah, it, uh, uh, that's it. It wasn't the Numenorians arriving in the nick of time to mm-hmm. save everyone. It was that a lot of the villagers had been killed. They were cornered, yeah. and then slowly being dispatched yeah. in order to find this hilt. And, and Adar gets what he wants, yeah. um, effectively, because Theo obviously doesn't want to see his mother killed. So um, while Arondir is trying to hold out and trying to dissuade them, um, Theo stands up and, and says he's going to hand over the hilt yeah. uh, to Adar. So Adar does get what he wants there, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Um, and I, I love the little thing, sort of, you know, after he's gotten it, you just get this one-off line um, to Waldreg, I have a task for you. Yes. Uh, which, again, links in to, you know, what we'll discuss uh, in, in the next point. Yeah. But- I don't think there was any thought in my mind at all that that blade stayed with Adar when he ran out of the village. I don't think there was any... Uh- I agree. I, I had the same. I had the same thought. You could see but, what they would think. But yeah. in the back of my mind, there was just that little bit of hope that they would recover the hilt, mm. and that's mainly because I actually wasn't expecting what happened at right. the end to happen yeah. in this episode. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be recovered, but there was that niggle at the front of mm. my mind saying this. You know, he sent them on a wild goose chase, yeah, basically. Exactly, exactly. Uh Waldreg, you go this way. I'm I'm riding at speed, uh A to escape, mm-hmm. but B uh to to send them off the scent. Yeah. You know? And you can see why they wouldn't know, you know, the, the, again, it's it's all about the timing. There's no opportunity for a Ronder even to say what it is that Adar's got you know it just says chase him down he's the leader chase him down and make sure that you get recover what he's carrying they don't give any reason behind it he can't escape here without it Um, last thing for me on uh, on the battle of Tirarad is uh, Galadriel's horse tricks as she arrives you know again loving that everybody gets their moment these are all big characters in the story so you want to make sure they all get their great moments but as the arrow flying overhead and Galadriel going side saddle and literally cleaving one of the orcs in two as she rides is just a fantastic moment yeah it was really good and I I think as well with the Numenorians arriving like I love the chain that they used um, between the the two front horses Mm -hmm. to take down a lot of you know, using the horses to trample the orcs, yeah. but then seeing you know a sealed door's mates, one much more confident with the sword, mm-hmm. uh, the other one, um, almost to Galadriel's point, you don't know how to fight orcs. 
seemingly not being able to fight an orc and having to be rescued as well. Absolutely. And I like when they talk of that mission that they're being sent on mm-hmm. and scout mission that he he wants to kind of stay back and help the villagers. You know, it's kind of like yeah. he he's the Doctor McCoy effectively well, of yeah. of the group. He's he's more that way inclined. So yeah. I, like, well, he's had his moment where he's yeah. faced death and he doesn't yeah. want to do that again. No, exactly. <laughs> um, which, which makes sense. You know, again, we've talked about it in, in our last episode about um, what was going on in, uh, in Numenor. They, they were a, a race of, uh, of people that were protected from the outside that did set up a sea guard to protect their seas from people coming in that could possibly attack. Yeah. And these guys had only just joined. So, you know, you, you would have that moment where you're in battle for the first time going, hang on a second. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe all those stories of joining the sea guard and all of the exploits that people say you should go on. Maybe I'm not the right person for this. Uh, and it, it's cut, you know, their, their lovely white armor, mm-hmm. uh, very, very dirty is here. It certainly you know, was. I don't know how you would clean that up. You yeah. do think, um, yes, maybe just leave it as steel grey. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, it almost reminds me of, you know, the, the, the talk of the thin red line with mm. the sort of British army back, you know, in the day, um, that they would be going into battle with a bright red uniform mm-hmm. on as opposed to being camouflaged like you have now. And it, it feels like you can't really do much sneaking up on the enemy yes. in a bright cream um, suit of armor, you know, yeah. with elaborate headdresses. But that's because, you know, you very much get from Numenor a lot of the army is ceremonial. It's the point. Mm. It's to the point that Gladwell was saying. You know, you've never fought an orc, and mm-hmm. um, it's very different. Yeah, you know, they're relentless. You need to. It's not. You're not going to beat them with brute force. Yeah, it, it's with balance, like we see with Gladwell's tricks on the horse. So, mm-hmm. like, I really kind of enjoyed that. It just felt really solid. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm sure, as you say, if they'd known that the orc blood was uh, black and oily, they probably wouldn't want to put on their uh, <laughs> exactly. their white uniform. I did love how they showed the distinction between Elendil and the other uh, the other members of the army, where he had that really elaborate headdress with the uh, yeah, <laughs> with, quite with high, the, yeah, but also with the um, with the two side. Um, what would you call them? Fins, I guess. I guess, uh, yeah. Because it reminded me of the uh, of the soldiers who were guarding the tree of Gondor. Yes. They have the same type of headdress, um, which we know hasn't been set up within Middle Earth yet. So, uh, just a little touch there that it's a similar type of headdress. This big ceremonial headdress, and also really cool that uh, Isildur got to take part in the battle yeah. as well he and sent, save his father exactly, and sent in there by Queen Regent Muriel as well. So uh, she knows. Let's not hold back a sealder if he wants to go and join the battle. Uh, send him in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I really like that as well. So, really good, really good battle. Love that in Uh But let's talk about tale number three: the capture of Adar the Uruk. Yes, or Orc. Um, who mm. who knows? But they like to be called Uruk, John. No, Respect their decision. And their but I really enjoyed that between mm-hmm. um, Galadriel and Adar, where she is refusing to call him what he wants to be mm-hmm. um and you know it, it it's all kind of there's this just bitter taste in her mouth of what he is who he is mm. um and you know him being insistent you know squaring his shoulders at her saying you know i'm an uruk even right at the end as halbrand prevents her from slitting his throat mm. With the knife at his throat, he 
and she calls him an orc, he said, he just quietly says to her, orc. Mm. I thought it was really, really good. It made for a fantastic kind of interrogation, uh, superbly tense, you know, just, it almost felt like they were playing it as Galadriel having a mirror held up before her and with this dark side of the elves. I mean, even right after, you know, she's threatened Adar with the knife to the throat and, you know, her, her stinging words, he says, perhaps I'm not the only one filled with darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, how can you think that there isn't evil in, in elves or, or or darkness, I think more to the point. So, Well, I just her, thought it yeah. was superb. Absolutely. Really like a threat to him is that she's going to keep him alive until she's killed every single orc and made him watch and then tell yeah. him all his children are dead and then kill him. Like that's a massive threat. Yeah. Like, of his yeah. children, she yeah. says, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Like really kind of dark um, intent there from mm-hmm. Galadriel. But what about the big reveal of the canon, effectively? This making this really clear now as to where orcs have come from um the sons of the dark mm. or the morandiar i think is the first word that galadriel says Mm. talks of it just having been tales and when she was a child yeah when she was a child so again adar being ancient being even older than uh, than galadriel uh, exactly well it's it's a it's a really interesting one because this has been speculated on quite a lot and my understanding is that uh when professor tolkien wrote this piece about uh some elves being corrupted and they became the first orcs because morgoth couldn't create anything at all he had to corrupt and convert he couldn't create anything from scratch uh he wasn't a godlike in that way so um this was his final word on it because there had been arguments about where the orcs came from. So his final word was that they started out as being corrupted uh, elves. So yeah. confirming it here that this is how this how, how this world of Middle Earth is is dealing with uh, with the orcs and the, the absolute disdain from. Galadriel to yeah, uh, to Adar. Definitely. That, uh, this is where he came from. And superb. This is the choice he would make. It was fabulous. Yeah, it really, was really, really superb. Mm. Really tinged with bitterness and hatred and yeah. as well then you know you get that link uh for me at least to adar's rallying cry right at the start of this episode to and and also to that question posed by waldreg to adar mm-hmm. at the at the watchtower you know from galadriel to adar where is sauron yes. and we we get this really you know interesting um how true it is i don't know mm. but we hear Adar saying about how Sauron sought order in Middle-earth. You know, mm. coming back to his words from one of the previous episodes about there being lies told as he's um, interrogating a rondeer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, after Morgoth's death, he sought the power of the Unseen, again, linking to that fortress in the, the northern waste lands and the mountains. Mm. Um, and, you know, Adar just says it, he was seeking this power of the unseen, power beyond the flesh. He tried, but he couldn't master. And this is where it links to the start of the episode. Despite all his sacrifices of my children, as you see the flashbacks from Galadriel to that fortress. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and then the, the revelation that I split Sauron in two. I killed Sauron because mm. of what he had done to his children. And so 
you know, that opening speech, that rally cry, you know, just gains weight and so on if if this is how it's played out. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a really interesting one. Uh, we know Sauron's not dead, or at least he'll come back in the future, I guess. So it's a, a big revelation that we're not going to see Sauron in here as such. But there is a possibility. Um, one of the other really interesting uh, challenges in here, I suppose, is from Halbrand. Um, a really interesting moment when Galadriel and Halbrand have finally captured Adar and Halbrand's about to kill him. Yes. And challenges him, saying, do you know who I am, effectively? And Adar just says no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is an interesting moment, because from that point onwards, I don't think Halbrand wants to kill Adar. Yeah. He's the one that stops Galadriel from killing him. Yeah. And I wonder why that is, because Adar guesses, well, probably maybe I killed your wife, maybe I killed your child, you know, maybe yeah. I tortured them, uh, tortured your family. But that doesn't seem to get any moment of recognition from Halbrand. So, yeah, it, it's a really interesting moment, as mm. you say. It's what is it that Halbrand is referring to? Because, mm -hmm. yeah, for Adar, it's simply his family or the village that he lived in had been wiped out mm. by him, something on along those lines. But as you say, Halbrand is, you know, do you recognize me? It, so we've mentioned that how Sauron potentially is hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. Is it that Halbrand is Sauron walking Middle Earth fairer face, you know? Mm, yeah, as a man. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting. Isn't it? If you think about it in that way, if Halbrand is Sauron, well, he had a real reason to kill Adar. But when Adar says, I don't recognize you, maybe he's kind of going, ooh, actually, I can use this. Yeah. <laughs> if the guy who uh, who challenged me most of all within the, the orc army um, doesn't even recognize me, well, then maybe I can use this. Yeah, and interestingly... Then we have him conferred as king of the Southlands. Yeah. Um, he's called upon by Queen Regent to, to come out and, uh, and take over effectively from Bronwyn, who's been injured and didn't want to be uh, the leader that she was made be by the people, effectively. And very quickly, everybody kind of goes, oh, okay, are all you right the king? Then. No yeah. problem at all. Yeah. And all he has <laughs> is his bag of bones. All he has is his bag that yeah, has yeah. The, the stamp on it. And what is, you know, now we're kind of, what is in that? Mm. Um, I mean, the other thing as well, it also possibly lends a little bit of double meaning to what Adar said in, when he says, I split Sauron in two. Mm. You know, whether there's a kind of a yin and yang type element here mm. to this. Um were by and given he was seeking power from the unseen world as opposed to the world um made flesh mm. and maybe it's that distinction yeah. that this is the split so yes Halbrand could be Sauron mm. but in a sense has been cleaved from something darker like going into you know this unseen power yeah. is ancient dark magic that is 
almost impenetrable that Sauron couldn't master. Mm. So I just wonder if it gives a different meaning to what Adal said about being split in two. Yeah, it certainly gives a different meaning to what he said to Galadriel last episode about um, you don't know the things I've done and if you did know you'd cut me off. <laughs> and you, oh, well, actually, I was Sauron and I'm the one that killed millions of people in Middle-earth. Uh, yeah, I, I'm your brother. Um, yeah, I think uh, that would go down pretty badly with Galadriel. Yeah. Uh, they have a moment uh, in this episode they as do, well yeah. uh, when the two of them realize fighting side by side is a moment they want to stay in for the rest of their lives that's the way halbrand kind of says it it's yeah. not the same kind of intent that we got from erandir and bromwen once the battle is over we'll live in a garden together with theo we'll have our our new lives together this felt more um powerful because they're both warriors effectively it felt like that moment when both of us were on the battlefield together felt like the perfect place to be together is the yeah. way it seemed so i don't know i don't know what exactly it meant it could be a little bit of a relationship forming between the two of them or it could be between two uh two army uh, colleagues saying fighting alongside you is the best kind of fighting to do um yeah but it was so. beautifully shot in oh, that gosh, kind yeah. of woodland cops by the stream mm. uh, like the I sun streaming through the trees exactly that that yeah. wide shot with the sun coming through the mm. the canopy really amazing just the sound of the stream mm -hmm. that the whole conversation uh, and the deepness of that yeah. and this kind of seemingly growing bond between them uh but also like there was this moment where you know they're having this very intimate close conversation and mm -hmm. um, and it focuses on Galadriel in, in the foreground and, and puts Halbrand, you know, out of focus. I just thought it was really well shot. Nice. Just beautifully done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really, really good moments. Um, the final thing that kind of happens after that uh, capture of, of Adar and his reveal of, of what's going on is we do find out that this blade that everybody was chasing uh, Adar for doesn't exist. It's it's effectively a... Uh, an axe that's been wrapped it's up a red because, because the blade has been sent off. But there's just a quick conversation there with Theo and Erondir, which I thought was really, really good yeah. because you hear from Erondir um, to Theo saying, don't worry about it. Most of us would have made the same decision to save the, our mother's lives. We would, would have given up the sword. And actually Theo's going, well, no, I feel there's a great loss now. Yeah, it was um, really good. He it says re It really kind of connects him to, like the ring, effectively, yeah. uh, that we saw in, in Lord of the Rings, this idea that when you're not connected to it, you feel like you've lost something massively powerful. Yeah. He felt like he was powerful well, when, he, when he was holding it, which does kind of explain Waldreg. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Like, Arondia says, don't feel guilty. And he says, it's not just guilt, I feel, but loss, as you say. Mm. With, with it in my hands, I felt powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, like with the ring, this all power, the corruption of power. Yeah. Uh, again, one of these themes mm -hmm. through Tolkien's writing. So, exactly. really good. Um, yeah, really nice little moment there um, between these two. Absolutely. Uh, but I think with that, we should get on to tale number four as to oh, where yeah. the actual hilt is, uh, which is um, the creation of Udun or Mount Doom. Mm. Proto Mount Doom. I'd love to know what the mountain was called previously, uh, just to have <laughs> that. Um, I don't know. It, maybe it was mentioned, but yeah, yeah effectively... Uh, here we see Waldreg uh, 
doing his task yeah. set to him by Adar. Yeah, I, I wonder if it was just called something like Mount Fuzzy Animals or something, and now it becomes Mount Doom. <laughs> now it's like Mount Beautiful uh, Place with lo- <laughs> lovely woodland creatures. Um, it's. I was wondering whether we'd ever seen a shot of that uh, in the first five episodes, because we spent a bit of time in the Southlands. Yeah. We spent some time in Tiharad, but I felt like most of the time we spent there was at night or, or indoors. Um but that moment, interestingly, when Isildur is uh, is talking about um, his first time in Middle Earth, and the first thing he says is, "Oh, I do like the mountains because they don't they don't have uh, that particular vista in, in Numenor." I just thought it was interesting that that later the first shot we see of Mount Doom is this beautiful landscape with the snow on top, but um, it's about to become the central. Uh, figure i suppose in the future of middle earth it's about yeah, to become exactly. this massive moment it, it like, was just so well done mm. with all the ash the projectiles all of that yeah and seeing you know the reason for these channels these tunnels that was massive, uh, yeah. from from the orcs yeah i love that it started out with waldrag plugging the sword into his yeah. arm to create the full uh, sword from the hilt effectively with his blood. So it's it's another blood sacrifice to uh, Sauron or to, to Morgoth um, so that he can start this chain reaction. It was just amazingly put together, yeah, though, yeah. as seeing this whole mechanism uh, start as the dams burst and the water flows down through the tunnels. Adar getting on the floor because he knows exactly what's about to happen. He hears the uh, the noises from outside, so he lies himself on the floor to hear his plan coming to fruition as he, as he hears the water rush underneath him uh, into the mountain. Amazing. Yeah, and we also see that Adar has escaped his chains. Yes, we do. Um, that there is that hmm. shot of the barn as this pyroclastic flow comes racing down, breaking open the the barn doors where he's being held. Mm. And we see that he's no longer lying on the floor and just the chains uh, around the post. So Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty cool in a sense that he's managed to get out Mm. where he's gone and how who knows same magic he used at the beginning to get out out from one of those rocks i guess well yeah i guess (laughs) he's got some kind of uh some kind of um mystical doorway that allows him to get out of these places pretty easily i guess (laughs) an interesting one but it is amazing and you know you you just realize you know halbrand is now the king of uh of the burning lands uh, rather than the southlands i think yeah Um, the other thing i really enjoyed was just the realization of the pressure wave as well hitting mm. through the 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 village you know yeah. ahead of this flow it was really really well realized absolutely an interesting kind of call forward i guess for when the ring is destroyed and that wave comes out and destroys all of uh, all of um Sauron's, uh forces yeah because uh, that well that seemed a lot more powerful but i guess given the power of the ring mm-hmm. but uh, yeah yeah this is I just water this and was, lava yeah. this was the most epic geography and action ever i <laughs> love it john i love it you knew you like this yeah. uh, this moment um any other uh, notes or comments about that scene or that moment or anything about the episode that we haven't talked about john? Well, th- I just this is the darkening of the sky to mm-hmm. stop the sun from shining and the formation of mordor this plan from morgoth yeah. you know through this this um seal that yeah. has been going around so yeah i just was not expecting it to happen here in in this episode yeah. so yeah it was fantastic really unexpected and just so good yeah really good it does leave a couple of questions in this episode i'm sure these are ones that we'll we'll see next episode we we asked about how did adara escape uh we don't know um we may see how we got away next time uh as we see 
Galadriel uh, standing in front of this wave of molten lava yeah. and, and smoke coming towards her. Will she survive? Uh, of course she will. We know uh, Galadriel lives another couple of thousand years, so uh, she will survive. But how? <laughs> so, yeah, how but how is the, that possible? The defiance of her mm. as that ash cloud is rolling at speed towards her and mm-hmm. just the, the lightning in the ash oh, cloud cool. as well. Again, yeah. Really good touch there. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, really epic and fantastic sort of end to the episode. Yeah. I was thinking about the Icelandic ash cloud that we had uh, when there was a, a, vulcan- a volcano that went off a couple of years ago, which uh, which stopped planes flying for about two months afterwards. Uh, can you imagine the amount of, uh, of devastation this type of uh, explosion from a volcano would do well, uh, exactly. on our Earth. Uh, another couple of quick questions that we had. Uh, there was a call out to Beric. Uh, the horse, where's Beric gone? Because he was right there be- beside Isildur. And a call out for Theo. We don't see Theo after that moment that he says that he um, he realises that the uh, the hilt is no longer there. We don't see him again. So I wonder, did Theo take Beric maybe up to find Waldreg? Um, something like that. But the cat's out of the bag here. They can't just remove the sword and everything goes back to normal. Um, we've had a massive event here, which can't just be reversed, no, uh, which exactly. I think is a really interesting way to end the episode. Um, I had just one note uh, yeah. that we haven't talked about. Uh, it's just a conversation between uh, between Elendil and uh, Sildor about uh, Beric the horse. I know it's it sounds a bit of an odd thing to call out, but it's something that isn't mentioned. Um, people who've watched the Lord of the Rings movies probably have seen um, the moments with Aragorn and uh, and uh, Gandalf uh, speaking to to horses that they're with. Uh, we had the Rohirrim being heavily featured and heavily horse people. But it was toned down quite significantly in the movies versus what was in the original Lord of the Rings. Um, in the original Lord of the Rings, the Rohirrim rode in complete union with their horses. They talked to them. They, yeah. they were living beings to them, not like their steeds riding into battle. So I thought there was an interesting conversation there between Elendil and Isildur about the idea that Beric the horse knows intimately who Isildur is, knows his doubts, knows his fears and frustrations yeah. because they've now bonded as rider and horse, which I felt felt was a call to the Rohirrim. Um, yeah, exactly, the, the Rohirrim, but, and also with Aragorn and his stead when it comes to rescue him mm-hmm. in uh, the two towers after he's gone over yes. the edge uh, into the the river. Yes. So I thought that's, that was really, yeah, I thought it was a really nice touch. Also, you see uh, Galadriel as she's chasing down uh, Adar as well, where she um, puts her palm on the neck of the horse mm-hmm. in order to give it more speed and, and urgency. Yeah. Um, you know, and we saw that with Arwen as she's uh, riding away from the Nazgul with uh, Frodo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, really nice yeah. sort of connections here to this world. Absolutely, and, and the same exact words used in the book that uh, that Galadriel says here to the horse as well. It, it means faster, effectively. It's yeah. just calling the horse to to uh, go at go at full pelt, but a calming kind of push to yes. the horse to to get it to run faster, run at at full tilt because yeah. this is so important. This chase down of Adar. Excellent stuff. Uh, I, you know, I don't know whether we need to uh, wrap it up with whether we enjoyed the episode or not, John, because I think it's pretty evident this was an excellent episode, but built on the shoulders of 
five great episodes beforehand. Yeah, they love absolutely. How the series has treated the characters, I love how it's treated the build, so that I, and the I, plot lines through mm-hmm. it. I mean, again, you know, we just thought the orcs were using the tunnels to hide from the daylight. Yeah, not that it was a part of this more elaborate scheme. Exactly, They're really good. And yeah. um, you know, the threads running through, kind of connecting up really nicely, even with the callback to you know that fortress in the the frozen northerly wastes and um, just so good so i mean l- at least from my size you know this was five mount dooms out of five. Oh um, yeah you know it was phenomenally good television um and i think all i can say is what i've just said in discussing it on the podcast you know everything the action the direction the the characters the acting and um, just everything was done. It went from epic and sweeping to small and intimate with hope, with tragedy, mm-hmm. with um, effectively finishing with disaster as we get the start of the creation of Mordor yeah. through uh, the use by Waldreg of the hilt and just really tying into the lore and the world of Tolkien and, and Middle Earth. Just really good. Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, for me, five Mount Dooms out of five. Mm. Do you remember in those old days uh, when we used to watch um, Game of Thrones and it would get up to the big episodes towards the end of the season yeah. and you'd be blown away by what they've put on screen in the TV show? Wow, has Lord of the Rings taken the cue from that? Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I was blown away by this. But again, I think the previous five episodes have been fantastic. I've loved the show because it's, it's felt so part of Tolkien's world and still being able to keep those intimate moments in here along with so many big battles, uh, the push back and forth between yeah. our major Southlanders and the Numenorians versus the Orcs and Adar. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Looking uh, forward to the other two episodes. Absolutely. Mm. Just, sorry, one quick note uh-huh. linking to your, um, note on the horses mm-hmm. and, um, Elendil. Elendil says the horse of Westerness, yes. which is another name for Numenor. That's right. Yes, yes. Good, uh, good point. Uh, what the- to say like it feels like like another um, part of Middle Earth, but it's it's the Star Island of Numenor yes. and. Um, and the prime video notes that come up, mm-hmm. you know, take out the bit of the appendices that um, that refers to effectively the multiple names this is a living world for tolkien so the multiple names for the same place that are are given to it you know yeah i've never seen a more tolkien like phrase than um loads of things have many names (laughs) basically it's basically it's uh he's he's a linguist so uh that's absolutely if you have thousands and millions of people living in a world they'll all call things differently Uh, and once again we have a little example of that here yeah uh, with the westerness uh for numenor uh good stuff uh shall we go on and hear some thoughts from our fellow ringers john yes absolutely Good stuff. Let's start with some feedback uh, on episode five. Some feedback that came in after we got uh, our podcast out on episode five. Uh, first off, Coffee and Vodka sent in an email uh, about that episode. Who said he says, "Greetings, fellow migrating defenders." With the episodes dealing with m- more with hubris and fear than events, I'd been holding out till our protagonists meet up in Middle Earth. This, however, was the best episode of the series so far, with the last of the barriers being broken down, save for the dwarf and high king. And any time the Harfoots, Harfeet, are features, it's time to rejoin the conversation. The cinematography is like a moving painting 
framing characters brightly heroic and darkly villainous, all well fleshed out with clear motivations. It's impossible not to become invested in the fates of the characters, even though we already know what becomes of the Southlands, Numenor, and the world at large. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't even mind that the stranger is most likely Gandalf. I hope there's a season two. Five slappable Isildurs, wounded <laughs> wargs, and fighting fleets out of five. Peace and take care, Coffee and Vodka. Great stuff, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah, I'm totally... Uh, you know, we do know what happens ultimately, mm. but this journey that they're taking us on um, is filled with so much tension. Um, it, it's filled with so much hope and mm-hmm. um, darkness, light, uh, and, you know, the characterization, as you say, the motivation. It's just really, really well thought out and put okay. together. You yeah. know, the showrunners really do need... Uh, a good old slap on the back. Um, definitely. You know? definitely. And I will say, good news, uh, if you didn't know, uh, we definitely have a season two, two of uh, of Rings of Power. Rumour is that we have uh, the show is, is planned for five seasons, but we definitely have a season two that's already in the works. So uh, so that's definitely coming. But as I understand, the show has been massively successful. They called out that there were 24 million streams in the first uh, day of the of the show coming out. Uh, recently, uh, Nielsen have re- released their first ratings uh, for the show with uh, through their analytics in the US alone, something like 1.36 billion minutes wow. have been viewed of the show. So uh, minutes, not shows, because there's okay. 1.6 billion people in the world. Still um, a lot. So, <laughs> it's quite a lot. <laughs> quite a lot. A uh, lot of minutes. It is. It is. So uh, very successful uh, for Prime Video. And that's an external source as well. So uh, sometimes you can't trust those internal uh, numbers that come out. So very successful, massive show. And yes, we will definitely see a season two, which is always good to hear. Um, but I, I know what you mean about, about knowing the face of some of the characters and some of the locations as well. But interestingly, some of the characters that we're starting to get really invested in, like the Harfeet, who we didn't know anything about before the series, and Arondir and Bronwyn and Theo and what's happening with them. I'm really excited to see where their stories go, even though I have no idea. I, I yeah, don't know exactly. where they're going to end up in the story. So that's something that's working really well for this kind of prequel series, a couple of thousand years before uh, what we've seen before. So glad you're on board uh, with the rest of the season, Coffee yeah, and Vodka. good stuff. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Uh, Jamie Lawson on episode five as well had some theories after the episode. Um, he says, Adar is a proto-Saruman, mm. as... The Stranger is a proto-Gandalf. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Saruman seems to hate trees and creates the Urukai, mm. uh, while Gandalf likes hobbits and has been a presence in their society for a long time. Funnily enough, at first, I thought the two characters were played by the same actor, as they were very similar to each other. <laughs> also, I think Theo is the son of Halbrand. Thanks, Jamie. Yep, I know what you mean, actually, about uh, Adar and the stranger looking similar. I I had similar thoughts on that as well, yeah, that they were potentially the same. But I think um, we know that Adar is played by the actor Joseph Morley, Mm -hmm. um, who was Uncle Benji in... Benjamin Stark. Yeah, Benjamin Stark. um, the ranger uh, north of the wall uh-huh. in uh, Game of Thrones. Um, so, and of course, uh, Daniel Wayman plays the stranger. But I know I had the same thought for sure. Wouldn't it be interesting in this prequel if it turns out the whole Harfeet story was, you know, a couple of hundred years before the Adar story and the stranger actually just turns out to be Adar? <laughs> <laughs> the only reason it can't be is because, remember, they, saw, they, they all saw the meteor all across the planet. All of our major, major characters saw that. So yes. uh, that's the only reason they can't uh, they can't pull that trick of, uh, of pulling the rug out from under us <laughs> on that one. But uh, but yeah, really interesting. I like the idea that um, that 
Adara is a proto-Saruman. Well, we learn a bit more about him in this episode, and we hear that he's the one that has been created as an Uruk um, by uh, Morgoth. So um, so he's not exactly the same as, as Saruman, but he has been turned from the light side like Saruman yes. was, yeah. uh, which, is, which is an interesting one. And your theory on uh, Theo as son of Halbrand, I think, weirdly, we saw the promotional photos, which were thankfully sent out to us by uh, by um, Prime Video, uh, where there's a promotional photo with all of the cast who are who are staying in the Southlands, all the major cast, those five main characters, which included Halbrand sitting beside Theo and Bronwyn. Uh, Bronwyn had mentioned that their father is gone, or his father is gone yeah. in the first episode, and when we saw the promotional photograph, we were going... Uh, hang on, they just spoilt this, that, that Albrand is the father of Theo, but zero recollection from Bronwyn when no, she saw absolutely. Halbrand. So, yeah, uh, exactly. so I, I think that theory, that, that uh, he's the son of Halbrand, I, I can see why the theory was there, but I think uh, it's pretty unlikely because uh, Bronwyn doesn't seem to have any idea who this person is, which would be unlikely for the father of your child. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Unless, as we said, uh, like Adara had no recollection of him, maybe he has, uh, maybe he has got some power uh, over himself that's blocking people from recognizing him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, for episode six, we mm. got an email from Victor Von Doom. Salutations, my lords. This is the episode I've been waiting for. The final battle was great. Mm-hmm. I love to see Gladriel strut her stuff in combat. Well, it's about time Arondir and Bronwyn got it on. I'm sorry it took an orc invasion to spark it. <laughs> what a horrifying revelation the men, the villagers were fighting with their own people who mm-hmm. sided with Adar. Halbrand's confirmation of King of the South obviously short-lived as Adar's fake-out bears fruit mm-hmm. very quickly. Why did the men spur the captured orcs when only Adar was valuable? And Ithrasethel Victor Von Doom. Thanks, Victor. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting seeing um, the the orc prisoners um, after the Numenorians had weighed in and uh, come to the rescue of the villagers. I thought that was kind of a an interesting little touch. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, but I, I suppose the point is, you know, orcs will slaughter everything in their path, whereas the world of men, the humans, um, won't kill everything because they're not murderers yeah but we um, know that they, they won't them, so. we know yeah. that they won't it, and if it's for a reason because yeah, they've turned them into slaves yes. <laughs> oh, yeah and a ronde was kept in order to be brought to uh, adar mm-hmm. probably because he was a, um an elf so mm. i like the fact that it's not as i say it's not just bloodthirsty when they're in battle absolutely you know those villagers are are toast and mm-hmm. um, but I thought that's the interesting, slight, subtle shift that's yeah. happened with this. Yeah, you never know. Maybe it was uh, Galadriel wanted to keep the orcs so she could slaughter them in front of Adar to get what she wanted, because that was her threat, effectively. So yeah. uh, so maybe they were just keeping them uh, as a threat to Adar. You never know. Yeah. It isn't there on the screen. No, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Victor. Thanks, Victor. We also got an email in from Coffee Vodka about episode six as well. He says, greetings, fellow Mount Doomed defenders. <laughs> <laughs> Last episode, after four episodes positioning all the pieces, the fellowship was finally afoot or a sea. At the end of this one, who knows? Epic with excellent acting, awesome special effects, perfect pacing and gritty battle from hero to twist, start to villain twist, finish. Sometimes a production is so good, the only thing you can say is, wow, if ever there was an episode to submit for an Emmy, this is the one for this season. I'm going to watch this again and again. Wow. Ten toppling towers, meteoric mountain missiles, and terminated triumphs out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. I know what you mean, but 
thankfully we have more words than just wow uh, to say about yeah, this or else I, I, we'd have a very short podcast yeah, well that's true <laughs> i mean i totally again it, uh-huh. it was absolutely wow as i said at the start my notes became more sporadic mm-hmm. as further down or i just missed certain bits out because i was just wanting to watch the awesomeness yep. that was being projected uh into my retinas yes. effectively yes. um and it, it was it you know these first six episodes are so tight you know mm-hmm. there was an element of well what's happening here what's happening there and so on but so much of it played out in this episode it was yeah. really really good and um, and just the the style the visuals Everything was just superb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, thanks for that, Coffee and Vodka. Uh, Coffee and Vodka also asks, um, he knows we're swamped and uh, enjoy all the discussions you're currently putting out, but any plans to take on the TV show Willow coming on Disney Plus? Uh, trailer makes it look exceed- exceedingly positive, entertaining, and talk aboutable. Um, we're not going to be covering Willow. I'm sorry, uh, we just can't fit it in, and we're covering uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the Rings of Power, and then that's going to be followed with uh, The Wheel of Time, so two major... Um, fantasy series this year along with all the other shows that we're going to be covering as well so unfortunately we can't fit in willow and i think that would kind of be a little bit over the top for us uh doing that many fantasy shows within within this year uh, i do like the i do like the movie i did enjoy it when it came out i know it was a notorious flop but i do remember uh enjoying it uh when it came out uh many many years I ago i love willow um, love but, but we're not going to be covering uh the show on here we will be watching it of course so uh feel free to share your thoughts if you're if you're enjoying it as well then yeah absolutely mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Uh, yeah, over you. on Facebook, um, Harvey Locust says, That ending was amazing. I'm actually starting to feel bad for Adar. Mm. He is being manipulated by Sauron and doesn't realize it. Galadriel is truly living up to the scene from the movies when she tells Frodo what would happen if he gave her the One Ring. Ooh, yeah. Theo being awestruck by her presence is exactly how I feel about her character in the show. No half-foots again, but I can see how they would be distracting in a battle-centric episode like this. How the tunnel was put to use was an astounding surprise for me. My only question is how Arondir didn't realise that the hilt had been switched out with an axe. Mm. Uh, Thanks, Harvey. I had the same thing in terms of that weight uh, when he held it in his hands. Mm. And just after Galadriel and Halbrand had taken down Adar, uh, who was fleeing away... The longer it took for them to address the the bag with the hilt or not hilt in it, mm. I was like, oh, it's definitely not there now. This yeah. is taking way too long to get to the realization that there's been a switcheroo here mm-hmm. um, as well. But uh, I, I thought that as well. But I guess maybe they did weight it up because it is only the hilt. So, yeah. but yeah. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, he didn't want to un, un, uh, unwrap the Christmas present. No, exactly. Um, you know. and, I, and, and I know it's probably not exactly the reason, but, you know, remember, Galadriel didn't know what was in it, so she would have handed it back to Arondir. Mm. And Arondir does have the conversation to calm Theo, thinking Theo was really regretful for giving the hilt over, so he hands it over to him to make the choice to throw it away so that he can break that connection that he has with the hilt. So potentially he didn't want to open it yes. before giving it to Theo um, because he wanted that moment with him because effectively he's going to be a stepfather in the future <laughs> is the plan, right? Uh, that's what he said to uh, to Bronwyn. He says that the three of us are going to form a family. So potentially he felt the weight of it went, that seems about right. I'll hand it over to Theo, give him a moment to, uh, to take a breath and realize he's not the bad guy here no, nothing was ruined um, 
and then it's Theo that realizes the the uh, that it's been switched out. So maybe that was the reason that he wasn't really looking at it because he wanted Theo to to be able to take back what he did almost. Yes. So um, um, abso- yeah, yeah, absolutely, heart, heart to heart with his new yeah. steps. And I, I think you're totally right. I think having the Harfoots in this episode would have broken the rhythm of it, and I think that's you know the other side. And just yeah. there was a great rhythm to this episode. So, um, it was so intense, though. A little, a li- I could see why yeah. so many people would have would have wanted maybe a two-minute scene with the Harfoots just to kind of get a breather <laughs> as well. Yeah. But, uh, but it worked so well. It was and, really and, tense. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. You know, Galadriel, seeing warrior Galadriel, mm-hmm. um, just awesome. Um, and, you know, the Theo being awestruck by her. I mean, we even have a sealed or in a sense, being awestruck by her Absolutely. as well on, on the boat. It's yeah. just truly like, you know, that person who is bigger that than what she is. Absolutely. Um, so it was great getting Warrior Galadriel here mm-hmm. uh, in in the battle. Yeah, even if the, if she did call Asildor uh, the lowest lowliest of stable boys, which I thought was pretty <laughs> harsh for someone that again becomes very important <laughs> in the future. Well, that's it. And I mean, she does have that moment where she, you know uh, you hear Asildor saying, you know, it's not the real Numenor. Uh, you know, he wanted mm-hmm. to get away. Um, and yeah, she says then it exists in the heart of even the humblest stable boy. But she also doesn't kind of disagree mm-hmm. with Isildur that uh, the island of Numenor, the Star Island, maybe isn't the real thing. Yeah. It's the Diet Coke to the, the full sugar Coke. <laughs> I know. And you're kind of going, if anybody's, if you've actually been there, like, like Galadriel has, or at least knows, uh, how it was created, because I think she'd been there at one point, um, you kind of want to confirm that if somebody's saying that's not the real Numenor, just say, no, it's not. I remember the real Numenor was there a thousand years ago or <laughs> whatever. <Yeah. laughs> just say it. Uh, but no, can't do that. Uh, good stuff. Thanks so much, Harvey, for your thoughts. Uh, Andy Arhus says, glad to have the podcast back. Hope you enjoyed your holiday. I am loving this series. I had high expectations after the Peter Jackson films and the show is exceeding them. The casting is impeccable. Episode six was the best one yet. However, there was one drawback. I give Aaron Deer an F for his shabby choice of hiding place for the evil sword, which we now know is a key. Come on, Aaron Deer, under the floor of the tavern. <laughs> and what do you think about Sauron? Is he dead, as Adar says, or will we see him this season? Or have we seen him already? Will he become like the Mephisto tease in the Marvel films and series? <laughs> you never know. You never know. I, I have think our theory of maybe Halbrand being Sauron but uh, but a fair-faced version yeah, of Sauron I think uh, so could be possible um, yeah I think so as I said you know I I just wonder whether Adar saying um I split Sauron in two mm-hmm. is something um a bit more behind that and even I, I know um I know Harvey had mentioned, you know, that Adar is being manipulated by by Sauron, but I just wonder whether that's the case. Mm. You know, even though he doesn't, you know, if Halbrand is and doesn't recognize him, that is part of the strategy, isn't it? So that he remains unknown um, and and is free to to wander Middle Earth. But um, so I wonder if it's really. A, a wicked web that is woven mm. here. And also then to your point around Arondir uh, on the F, I think, <laughs> I think you're totally right. I mean, I am, this is still a five Mount Dooms out of five for me. Um, but I just thought 
okay, you've you've escaped the watchtower. You have gotten ahead of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Just get out of there. Yeah. You know, flee to the elves. Get out of the Southlands. Um, because you know that they're after the hilt. Yeah. And so, yes, I personally would have, if I was a Rondir, um, I would have just gotten everyone out of the Southlands. I know, I know, but it is their home. They're fighting for their home. Um, yeah, exactly. From, uh, and trying to stop uh, the Adar and the orcs from taking over and turning it into this bad place. Like, if they'd just gotten out of the way, then they would never see their homes again. So I, I can understand why he stayed with uh, the Southlanders who wanted to oh, definitely, yeah. and, and stay there. But, uh, yes, I mean may, maybe, taking just, yeah, maybe the, just taking the, uh, the blade off on a horse <laughs> very far away uh, and throwing it at the ocean himself <laughs> would, would have been a good plan. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Angie. Yeah, thank you so much, Angie. Thanks so much, fellow ringers, for all the feedback. Uh, Keep it coming in Mm -hmm. on the remaining episodes of The Rings of Power. Remember, you can send in your thoughts to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries. And we are on Twitter as well at TV Pod Industries. Mm-hmm. A big apology to everybody who uh, does follow us on Twitter the other night. I connected up our Patreon account and uh, <laughs> and our main um, website and it effectively posted 100 posts uh, to Twitter the other night. <laughs> Every single post I've ever made on Patreon suddenly appeared on Twitter and I couldn't stop it. <laughs> but uh, well. it's done now. <laughs> it can't, it can't happen again. It's over and I'm really sorry uh, for a bit of spammage yeah. um, to everybody. Uh, oh well. No worries. But <laughs> if you uh, love the podcast, um, then please uh, share the podcast because mm-hmm. sharing the podcast is sharing the love. You can also support us over at patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries as well as on buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. But please stay subscribed to TV Podcast Industries. Oh, yeah. Two more episodes of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power to come. And we're also covering uh, She-Hulk, which has, I think, three more episodes to go. Uh, We have Sandman, which just has the one episode left to go. The bonus episode uh, is all we have left to cover uh, of the Sandman. And then, as we said, uh, covering the Pennyworth Season three on HBO Max, yes. uh, which is coming out from next week as well. So looking forward yes. to all a that legacy stuff. item. Yes, yes, all the way back to sure. our original podcasting of uh, of Gotham. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but thank you so much, fellow ringers, for joining us. Mm-hmm. As always, a pleasure talking about um, the Rings of Power, especially an episode so unbelievably epic. Mm-hmm. Um, But in the meantime, fellow ringers, keep watching, keep listening, and keep sailing west. Bye. Bye. Bye.